Welcome to Flowers After Hours, one of the lesser wholesome podcasts that you might find. In the floral industry, there are so many wonderful, educational, spirited podcasts that are full of educational, great values and wholesome conversation. Are you talking about this? No, 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 no. Oh, no this is our I thought podcast. I tuned into the wrong thing. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Flowers After Hours. We are your delicious hosts. Who do we have on the mic today? Oh, look, the Australian powerhouse that is Matthew Landers. And the Liverpool-based Kardashian, <laughs> Joseph Kardashian Massey. Oh, you're pushing. Is it hyphenated or is it three words? She better do what the lawyer says. <laughs> um, <laughs> how are you today? How has your week been? Good. It's been so far so good. It's um, mm. it's kind of really changing here at the moment from like that summer to autumn period. You know, we're starting to oh, see so beautiful. It's going from like 30 degrees to 28 degrees. It's going from like 42 degrees to like 33 degrees, girl. That must be a relief for you, though, right? Like, oh, that it just comes a little bit cooler. Just like. a bit of sea breeze, love. You know, like, just having, like, night times that are 20 degrees and below, that's that's a very welcomed change. All I know being based in Liverpool is sea breeze, so you're really barking up the wrong tree here. We have sea breeze 90% of the time with the occasional dappled sunlight. And you know delight. that I love, I love a branch, love. There's no, you know how much I love a tatami? I love a branch oh. even more. So oh. to have autumnal branches in the store, ah, she's pushing. Oh. I know you love a branch. I know you love a tatami. Um, I know these things about you. It's the woman that you are, and I am here to celebrate that. Yeah, I am your vertical parallel. <laughs> <laughs> Twisted with bind wire twice. <laughs> Um, Matthew, what are we diving into this week? What I, is What are we lifting the cloche on? We have to lift the cloche on really starting out in the industry. Like, how do you get started? Like, like right from the get-go, like, if you Ugh. are desperate to become a florist or you want to start, you know, out in, you know, floristry, your journey as such. And I think this is mm-hmm. really applicable to, like, you know, young people, you know, 14 years old that just dreamed one day of being a florist. Or you might be, you know, have had children, you're in your 40s, 50s, whatever, and you want to change of career. Well, I think this is a topic that will resonate to everybody listening, to all 7 million of you. Um, because I think for sure everyone is either just starting out in floristry or has stories of them starting out in floristry right yeah everyone will have those experiences they can relate to um and i I think this is a really juicy topic to dive into i'm excited to hear about how you lost your virginity and i will share how i lost mine as well it's gonna be good fun when i often think back to like my journey into floristry and this is something that i always tell people that are starting their journey right now because we're so it's so different we're so fortunate now I have made some of, okay, so some of the most beautiful things that I have ever made are completely undocumented. <laughs> completely, there's not a really, there's not a photo in captivity, because you know we grew when I first started floristry, girl, like the digital camera was like so new and so expensive. You were still mm-hmm. taking films, you know, like that was the, it was a mm-hmm. film camera, and whereas now we are glued onto smartphones that have good quality cameras on them, it's like make mm-hmm. sure you're taking photos of those money shots, honey. <laughs> 
Mm, I mean, to be very honest with you, when I started out floristry, I was, you know, nearly the same age as you, but a good deal younger. And I remember that I took shot my first portfolio using a disposable camera. Isn't like that crazy? a disposable camera. Isn't that because crazy? that was that was the height of technology. That's what we had in the dark ages in Liverpool. That was that was all we had. It's it that was it was much the same here, love. I mean we only had power here in nineteen ninety two, so <laughs> <laughs> Getting started in the industry is one of those things. I think everyone has such a different journey and it's going to be based on the outcome that you wish to achieve. And I think that this industry as a whole can become so insecure and so insulated in people's thoughts about new people starting in the industry. Whereas Mm. I think it should be completely embraced. You know, we're not going to be alive forever. There needs to be a new generation of florists. Mm, and I think part of that is the big reason why I don't mind teaching. Like, mm. I know I've certainly met some kind of leading designers or top designers who don't teach. They don't want to teach classes. They consider, like, what they do and the knowledge they have to be really hard won. Secret. And a secret. Yeah, I have I have no secrets. No, me either. Well, and I think it's... I mean... Because I... <laughs> yeah, well, I know your secrets, girl. We've known each other a long time. <laughs> But, like, I think back to when I started, it was, you know, like, it was an era where those stuffy old florists that you really wanted to learn from, they were very much like, no, these are my secrets. I'm like, come on, girl. It's not really a Mm. secret, is it? And so it's just some rainbow jip. It's some rainbow jip, love. I mean, how do you wire a gerbra? It's not a secret. <laughs> but it's so true, though. And I think for those kind of people who are just starting out today, you know, if you're in 2021 and you are, you've got a passion for floristry and you're looking to dive into the industry, there has never been a better time to dive in because we have the internet. Yeah. Like, the, you know, we have social media. Everybody has websites. You can see so much good stuff for free. Like all these influences that me and you back when we in in our teenage years would have had to like go to competitions or go and watch, you know, uh, demonstrations or- Or you're hanging on the side of your chair for a new magazine to arrive. Once every four months Uh or whatever it's going to be. Yeah, it was all of that. Like inspiration was so hard Hard. to come by and the world felt so limited. Like these days with Instagram and with the internet being how it is, you can see so many sources of inspiration at your fingertips. And my my first bit of advice to be to anyone who is just starting out in the industry is do your research. Like so many people have great Instagram accounts. So many people have beautiful websites and you can learn so so much just by just by looking just by seeing what people are doing there's so much inspiration out there there is it's endless it's completely endless and i also mm. my biggest thing to someone starting out in the industry and this is the best analogy i think i've ever come up with and i know i've spoken to you about this before and i think it's really really important information to people coming into the industry to understand because you know floristry is very much a transient industry and it's very heavily dominated by females So, think about floristry like dancers, right? So, I definitely view myself like yourself. We started out the hard yards and all the formal training and the scrubbing buckets. We are very much what you would call classically trained ballerinas, right? We. Oh, thank you. I know. I know we both look the part. (gasps) But when it comes to floristry, we're both very (laughs) classically trained. So... Yeah, that's true. When you have these florists that come in, and I know we spoke about in another um, episode, I showed you that 
great colourblind florist here in Sydney, Australia, I don't look at him, for instance, as what you would deem a classically trained florist. He would be in the dance world what you would call a hip-hop artist or a freestyle artist or a street artist. That is the style of dance that they would do. So, for mm-hmm, me, as mm-hmm. a ballerina, I can't be prejudicial against somebody else that simply has a different discipline within our industry because mm. like ballerinas versus hip-hop versus ballroom versus jazz, they still refer to themselves under the term dancer. They are a dancer. Mm-hmm. And there's so mm-hmm. many disciplines within that. So, if you've got other florists that you look at and you go, they're not a bloody florist. They, could they wire a corsage? Well, maybe they couldn't wire a corsage. Leave that to the ballerinas. But we still refer to each other as florists. So, I've heard so many people over the years be like, oh, they're not a real florist. It's like, yeah, they are. They're absolutely entitled to refer to themselves as a florist. And they might make more than you do. Yeah, yeah. true. I mean, the way, the way I kind of look at it is I like to run a very inclusive flock and everyone is welcome at my version of Swan Lake. Everyone is welcome, love. And I think that- Everyone's welcome. By having all those disciplines available to everybody, especially with websites and social media, people are able to make their own informed choices about where they'd like to shop. Exactly. And you are so right. I love that dancing analogy because we're all working with the same medium. We're all working with flowers. We all go to the same wholesalers. And what we do with those materials, how we arrange them, how we present them is our own secret sauce, right? Uh It's all about how we kind of take those materials and put our own spin in it into hip hop or into jazz or into, you know, the ballet lakes that we reside in. Um, And none of it's better than anything else. No. You know what I mean? Exactly right. all equals, mm. you just are better at different disciplines than one another. Some of us are just richer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a joke. Um, is it yeah, though? I think that- no. Yeah. I think it is. So- <laughs> I think it's so true though. Like, and I think that's a really, a really comforting thought to a lot of people who are just starting out in the industry that might want to think, oh, but should I, you know, like follow them or should I kind of pursue this kind of stuff? Oh, but I really want to learn how to do it like she does it. Um, like there's no wrong paths you can take because I no. think that every course that you do or every kind of person who you stalk the Instagram of or every workshop you do, whatever it's going to be, will always will only lead you closer to doing what is right for you. You know, either you'll attend a workshop or something and you'll be like, oh, that's amazing. I loved it. Or you'll be like, she's not for me, but the snacks were good. Thank you. And yeah. then you move on to something else. 100%. I've heard the term, and this makes me wild. I've heard the term, you need to learn the rules so you can break the rules. And hearing that statement makes me furious because there's nothing wrong with learning the foundations of something and then deciding not to apply them. Mm. But to say that you're learning the foundations of something so that you can completely disassociate yourself from that. It's like, well, I don't know that I particularly agree with that. What are your thoughts on learning the basics? 
I think learning the basics is the fundamental thing. And I think whether you want to be a prima ballerina of the London Ballet as I am, or whether you want to be some hip hop artist doing something jazzy and funky and crazy with, you know, not a huge amount of classical training, I think you need to understand the basics. Everyone, fundamentally, I think you need to know flower care. I think you need to know like health and safety in the industry. I think you need to know the principles and elements. You need to know all of these basic things. And that's before we even get to like basic techniques techniques before you can go off and do your own thing. And and that's not to say that I don't, you know, cherish and value someone's own interpretation of what they can do or Mm -hmm. someone's own vision or someone's own style. I think that is wonderful and important and, you know, rock on. I think that's great. But I think that without a basic fundamental knowledge of, you know, like the basics, the fundamentals of the industry, you're going to go terribly wrong. I think it's so important. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, we've seen, we we have the ability as humans to feel entitled. And I know that there was a, what you would call a street artist or hip hop dancer florist as such that did a shoot recently for the Kardashians. Now Mm. I saw a lot of public backlash about that. Did you? I did. And I thought about it and I thought all of these people that are commenting on this, they're feeling what I deemed as entitled. It's like, just because, you know, you trained for 30 years and you rode a camel to every Interflora demonstration means that you should have gotten to do that Kardashian shoot. And it's like, well, no, baby, you choose the right person for the job. And the thing is, Mm -hmm. it's like everybody has their place. And it's really important to understand that once you have found where you fit that's where the confidence starts to build. Oh, I mean, if I can't get that on a mug, I need to get it on some next collection of merch because (laughs) that is so, it's so fundamentally true. And I know the shoot that you're referring to. Mm -hmm. Um, It was the, it was all, oh God, it was like apricots and lilacs or whatever it was. And I I can't remember who, off the top of my head, I can't remember the florist who who made that, but I I can totally visualize it. It was that that new, new, that um, Los Angeles girl, Birch Floral, is it? Uh, the one with, yeah. Yeah. Is that how you, yeah, I don't know how to, it. I mean, it's, the funny thing is, it's like, I remember looking at that and it's like, you know, to, to someone like us that's, you know, has spent their whole life, you know, um, doing, you know, the ridiculous training as such to become what you would call a classical ballerina in the florist world. A lot of those florists would have looked at that and been like, it's just a couple of flowers into some overly smashed up floral foam and no forethought to anything else. And, Mm. you know, the thing is, it's not about passing judgment on someone's skills. It's about Mm -hmm. identifying that they did the job and just be happy for them. Mm. I think that's so important because we're all running our own race. And I think that it it is never more true than if you don't get a job, if you don't get a gig that you really, really, really want. And, you know, it goes to someone else. It's meant to be. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's absolutely meant to be. And I I think that everyone is running their own race. Mm -hmm. um, And you're not going to miss out on anything. And I think that the world's big enough. There's enough jobs in the world for everyone to get, you know, something and not feel hate to, you know, there's no need to hate on anybody else. No, not at all. And that's the thing. I always, I've had other florists say to me over the years, oh, did you see what such and such did? And it's like, no, I didn't, Dale. I was too busy focusing on my own shit. Oh, I wish I could have, but I was too busy swimming in my swimming pool of money. 
Um, <laughs> it's so true though. It's so true. And I think regardless of whether you are like a cooler, hip hoppy, like dancery kind of odd, floral, cool designer, like someone I follow in Australia who I love is a uh, Hattie Mal- Malloy. Oh yes. Know, yeah. 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 She's based in Melbourne, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so cool. So different. Love her stuff. Think she's great. Um, and you know, but there's, there's enough space for, for everyone. And whether you are me or whether you are Hattie, um, you still need to know the basics. Uh, you still need to know 100%. the basics to begin. And like, can I ask you a question? Like, because you had so much experience in the industry before you began, like where I remember when I was doing my training, um, you know, when I my formal training, when I was 16, I was in such a rush to race through it. I like the, the, the beginning stuff was so boring to me. I didn't want to know how to make like a Jebra wired shower bouquet. I was just like, get me out of here. Get me to the good stuff. Um, and I kind of wish that in hindsight, I would have taken a little bit more time to just kind of really absorb those beginning years and kind of like really enjoy them. Did you have the same kind of thing? 100%. And I think it's so important to think about how much you need to be able to crawl, then walk, then run. Like it's, I often think back to when I started my formal training. So I started my formal training when I was 15. I just turned 15, just left school. Mm -hmm. And I think back to some of the things that we were doing and I think, Christ almighty, there's no possible way that we're ever going to do this. And to be honest, some of the stuff that I, (laughs) some of the stuff that I learned, I have never done since that day, but Mm. it's like anything. It's like you, what chef, what Michelin star chef doesn't know how to julienne a carrot? Yeah, okay, now that they're a Michelin star chef, they've got assistance to do that, but they still learned how to do it when they began. It's funny you should mention that, because that was actually a choice for one of my drag names, Juliana Carrot. Um, but I, I went with something else. <laughs> I, I thought, I thought else. you would have been more like a Caravan Park or something like that. Well, I mean, one day all our listeners will come to one of our drag gigs and they can find out for sure. But Juliana Carrot was definitely uh, one of the I'm up for that. That's really good. Ta-da! I think that when you're kind of starting out in the industry, don't rushing, not rushing the basics and setting a good solid foundation is like one of the key things you can do. And I think that looking around on the internet and getting like all of those kind of, um, you know, inspirations from people and seeing what floristry can be, that can always be like such an amazing thing. The one thing I would say is that there are so many florists nowadays that will have free resources. And like back when I was a student, there was none of that out there. So like I know, for example, even following you, you know, like looking at your um, stories, which aren't necessarily you know, as like a mini course or, you know, something like that. But you get such an insight into the running of a successful, big, uh, you know, flower brand Mm -hmm. um, which is useful for everyone. And nowadays, I think everyone is putting out so much good stuff, whether it's Instagram stories or, you know, little comments on, um, you know, Facebook or whatever it is. And just use that. There is so much wealth out there for like new students to, to dive into. I agree. And it's just, you know, I think back to when we started versus now, it's so mm. different. I would actually almost say that people starting out now have got it so much easier. So much easier. Yeah, sure. For sure. For sure. Floristry is like a lot cooler now, I think. I agree. Do you think floristry is cooler now? I, I think do. it's really Back when I started, 
Yeah, no, I agree. She has, and it's like, it's really, you know, it's really matured now. It's like, when I, when I first started, it was almost still like one of those jobs as such that people just didn't Mm. accept as a profession. It's like, Uh, oh, you're a florist. You must have failed high school. It's like, I'm sorry. Like 10,000%. Yes. And it's like, no, now I think that the wonder of social media and the presence of the fact that, you know, and even just things like I look back to Jeff Latham, you know, like, I don't know, what was it, 10 years or more ago that he did that flower series, um, Flowers Uncut. And I think Mm. back to that period and I'm just like, wow, that was like the first real time that we had a florist on mainstream TV and also a florist that was identifying as a celebrity. Mm, mm. There's not enough of that. I mean, Jeff, I think, is a legend in his own time. And now that we're here with this podcast, I think he's going to be joined by other stars in the constellation. Um, But... But you're right. I think nowadays it's so much cooler because it's seen as, you know, there's been a real revolution in floral design over the past like 10 years, you know, as um, food has become far more like garden to table and far more like kind of locally grown and and a real connection to what you do. And, you know, it's the same with uh, gardening as well. And I think, to be honest with you, I reckon it was the Great Recession, you know, 2008. I think there was a huge shift towards kind of trusting in what you know and what you see and what you can learn and what you can do yourself as opposed to trusting in like the bigger quote unquote system. Um, and I think that's really interesting. Okay. So here's a question for you. When you were starting out, when you were, you know, 14, 15, 16, those kind of like young formative womanly years. Mm. Um, Even though I still like, look the same age. Well, yes, I would agree for sure. I mean, you just had Botox today. Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> um, who were your influences? Oh God, that's that's really. Um, or even just one. Was there anyone that kind of stood out to you as like a? Oh, that's who I want to be. I know this sounds really cheesy, but my biggest influence was probably my mother. Like, oh. because I grew up in a family business, and Linda was such a well is you know such a celebrated florist. Like she, every mm. award that I've won, she she won it before me. And it's mm. one of those things, it, she just grew up in a different era where there wasn't things like social media and that websites and stuff like that to post about your success. So she's so, so humble. But I remember thinking, you know, back in the day, and you know, you've worked with me, like if I had to sell myself to someone, for instance, as a florist, as a freelancer, the biggest thing I would sell is my speed. I can get mm-hmm. shit done real quick. So, mm-hmm. and I remember looking at Linda like that and being like, wow, she does such beautiful work and so fast. Mm-hmm. And that's that was my biggest inspiration to kind of growing up. But at the same time, not necessarily learning everything from her actually helped me as well because it meant that I got one set of skills from her and then developed other sets of skills from other teachers Um, Mm. because I I think that you know I mean Gregor Lersch was obviously definitely some form of inspiration to me because I really looked at him as probably like a male dominance in the industry so that was kind of the Mm. father figure in floristry if that makes sense it's like okay there's a man that's done this before there's a man that's successful you know and I think that was Mm. a big thing for me was just being like oh wow I'm really entering into a woman's world you know like this is this is men are unicorns in this industry 
Mm, I think that is so true about Gregor. And he was a, a big influence for me as well, because I remember thinking at the time, like, whoa, like you mm-hmm. can be a florist who can tour. You can be a florist who can work in a million different countries. And it was, I, I when I think back to being like 16, um, I think my, like my big floral inspiration was Paula Pryke because, you know, back in that time, and even to this day, you know, she's still incredibly relevant, but back in that time, for sure, she was dominant. Yeah. Yes. You know, it was book after book on TV. I've got every single events. book of hers. Every single book. Yeah. Oh my gosh. She was definitely like my first inspiration. I, I remember getting, um, you know, from my, I think it's like 15th or 16th birthday. Living I got, in I got color. my first Did you get book. Living in Color? <laughs> I did. Yeah. But my favorite, my, the one that I got was uh, Classic Paula Pryde. Yeah. It was like, it was, oh my gosh, it was such a text to me. And then it's, you know, I it, think as... I was going to say, things like Paula Pryde now, it's so... Oh, it almost, I, and I said this before to you that I, it could almost bring me to tears genuinely when someone like Paula Pryke follows me on Instagram and then responds to me telling me that a piece of work I've done is beautiful. When some, mm. when, do you know, it's just, it's so bizarre because it's like if only you knew how much of an inspiration you've been to so many of us. But you know the other thing that I hear about Paula Pryke is she often says things she doesn't mean. If you had had a dollar, if you had a dollar for every time someone said to you, it must be so nice playing with flowers every day, Mm. would you still be working? No. No, me either. Because I don't think, and I think this is another thing that people, there needs to be like some form, you know, when you watch like an R-rated movie and there's some sort of disclaimer that it's going to be nudity and drug use Mm -hmm. and all that sort of caper, Mm -hmm. there Mm -hmm. needs to be some form of disclaimer that there's going to be foul smelling buckets. There's going to be bloody long days. You may not eat for days at a time. You will gain weight. Your body will (laughs) ache. There will be times where you will sleep on a floor. You know, like there will be countless in injuries and there's just this disclaimer of what floristry really <laughs> looks like that i feel like no one gives you that no bullshit preview yeah. of yeah i do kind of agree with that and i can think of like multiple people on instagram who like portray this so beautiful like you know oh, i'm in the countryside and just playing with my flowers mm-hmm. and i think oh my god that is it's while it might be beautiful to look at it's not true it's no. not true to what so many florists will experience and what so many florists will go through um and i think that's why i think the best you know if someone was to say you know i'm starting out in the industry what's your best advice i would be i would say to them learn everything you know take as many courses as you can follow as many people on instagram you know really get as many books as you can and really absorb because absorb as much as you can because there are so many paths that you can walk down you know in this industry you can do anything you want to 100 percent. and i think my advice to that same person would also be that this is a labor of love and this is mm. an industry and a profession that requires passion. And if you don't mm. develop that passion in your learnings, move on to something else. 
Yeah, oh my gosh, for sure. I think as well, there is so much to say around like the dedication that's required to it. Because as you've just said, it is hard work. It's not easy. And I think if you are looking to make a quick, you know, book or, you know, be a flash in the pan. Go and sell Herbalife, love. It's not this. (laughs) Truly, love. Truly, go and sell Nutramedics. Do something else. This is not a quick... (laughs) This is not a quick buck. And, you know, <laughs> bloody hats off. Because when you think about the fact that this is a female-dominated industry, hats mm. bloody off. This is hard yakka. This is really hard yeah. work. Hard yakka? I love that. What does that mean? It's like... <laughs> hard yakka. It's such an... Ast- like, oh. it's, I, and, you know, the funny thing is, as I said it, I thought, oh, God, that's such Australian slang. Hard yakka means, like... <laughs> It just means hard work. Hard yakka. Yeah. <laughs> that should be the name of your first cologne. When it's it a br- it's, like a it's funny because hard yakka is actually a brand of like work boots. <laughs> no way. <Yeah. laughs> That's so funny. Um, do we send them an invoice now? Yeah, I've I've just typed it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. But the thing with, you know, people being able to learn and look at the, look at how much social media has changed our industry just in the last five years. Like, five years ago, florists were still using floral foam as if it was a loaf of bread. There was no forethought to anything else. It was you just chuck, you just chuck foam in and you just place the flowers. The beauty of social media is it is highlighted how bad floral foam is for the environment, which has mm. then forced those big players in the industry to actually create other options. Mm, I would so agree with that. I mean, the fact that we are all connected and we can all see what everyone's doing has forced like a new ele- a new level of accountability. accountability. Because if you think back, like maybe 10, 20 years ago, I wouldn't know what you were up to in your shop. I'd no. have no clue. No you know, clue. Even if I visited your shop, I wouldn't see in the workroom. I wouldn't yep. see, you know, what weddings or events you were doing. I would mm-hmm. hear about it three months later from another florist in the flower market. Yeah, you know? agreed. Whereas now I see what you're doing. I see, um, sounds very stalkery. At the, but, at the you know, time though, that's the thing is, it's literally live. It's like you post something and then you can see that that story was updated, you know, five minutes ago. That's literally what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. You do realise as our fame grows, we will not be able to post in real time anymore. You do realise that. It's what the Kardashians do. You do remember that before Christmas, I had private security. Well, yeah. I mean, but who, which of us got a real stalker first? Yeah. I, I mean, know. if we're going to go yeah, to a no, competition. Okay. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we're competing about which one oh, of us is more crazy. Hilarious. <laughs> I would say that yours was definitely crazier. Yours was, was another level. Yeah. <laughs> Your story Mine was, was another level. Crazier. Mine, was, Mine was high 999. I'm in fear of my life. Yeah. This person loves the way I do a hand tie. And they know, um, my, and they know my mum's address. They know my mum's address yeah. and she's, she's en route with a floristry knife. <gasps> I mean, Good it was, great. Uh, that's, we should do an, uh, like an episode on that of like- uh, what, Hilarious. You know, yeah. Hilarious. How not to be famous. <laughs> How not to get stalked. So when you see florists, for instance, that are starting out in the industry, and this is another good Mm. thing for someone starting their journey, I've seen a lot of people starting out in business and starting their journey as such over the last maybe two years, and I Mm. see them 
you know, advertising as such as like a sustainable florist or as an eco-friendly florist. And yet I see all of their flowers arriving in some diesel laden Ford Transit. And it's like, (gasps) I think it's- (laughs) So rather than greenwashing people with, you know, terminology that suggests to people that you are sustainable and things like that, I think it's really- This comes down to also people like us who are in the business of training. Mm -hmm. How do we as trainers make sure that students of the future understand how to make good choices? Oh, my gosh. I mean, that's a question. I think that I'm going to take that on like two, two different angles. So, the first one I would say is that I think that sustainability is is different for everyone and looks different for everyone. Agreed. What's sustainable for your business will not be sustainable for me and vice versa. Like, And that comes down to the bigger choices we make, the policies we implement within our company, and also even down to the materials that we make. Like, for example, um, you know, here in the UK, moss grows in abundance and it's very sustainable for me to use moss. If I was in Perth, Australia, where moss does not grow wild everywhere, that's not the most sustainable thing for you totally. to be using if mm-hmm. you have to import it. So I think the first thing I would I would have to say is that sustainability looks different on everyone and there are and on scale too if you're a small versus Mm. large business sustainability looks different on scale for sure my good friend Toby Nelson she says that the first kind of rule to sustain sustainability is that it has to be sustainable for your business so before you do anything else don't say a bloody squirrel is what you were going to say love I I can see it I kid, every time I hear the words Toby Nelson, there's a bloody squirrel. Um, <laughs> oh, I love that woman. I really love your- that. I love that woman. I really do. And she, <laughs> you're so right. She has some in- the most incredible take on sustainability. Toby has such a really uh, extraordinary view on uh, sustainability. And for me, that was, um, she was very much like my entry back in 2018 into, you know, being a sustainable floral designer. And it's so relevant that if you're starting out in the industry today, it's a big part of how you should be thinking about not just your future, but the future of your business as well. Absolutely. And I think for us now, it's like anything, like we as as professionals also have to learn constantly and we have to adapt and we Mm. have to grow with the change. And I think florists that have been around for a long time would be foolish to think that this whole sustainability thing's going to go away. It's not. Mm, mm, So mm. we have to all be responsible and think how can we either place this into our business and how can we be armed with more information to be better florists. But I think the thing that I have noticed is it's like it's difficult to find information that you is that's credible. You know, like who's mm. right? Who's right when it comes to this? Well, I think that's a really valid point because when we think about sustainability, it is it's what's relevant and true to your business, to your ethos and to where you are in the world. So it, it's a tricky subject to be able to place like a one-size-fits-all solution. You know what I mean? Do this and you're fine. Of course. It's more about how you can work it in in a sustainable way. It has to be sustainable for the business um, so that your business can carry on trading and, you know, that you can continue to pay yourself and your staff and put money back into your community. Um, but then obviously you have to think about, you know, the wider effects of what you do upon your community, upon your environment, um, and of course on the wider world as well. So, I mean, 
mean, it's it's a big topic. And if I was just starting out in the industry, I would be like, oh my gosh, where do I begin? Um, you know, I, oh, there's so much to learn. It could be very daunting. Mm, I agree. And I think, you know, the, there's places, I know that people from all around the world are going to listen to this. And I look at the fact that we're here in Perth, Western Australia, very isolated, you know, but we still do have things that grow here. How would you be being a florist starting out that wants to start their journey somewhere like Dubai? Nothing oh, grows in Dubai. Every no. single stem that is in a florist's hand in Dubai has come from another country. Mm, I mean, that is, there's definitely, when you think of it, like uh, places on earth that are more sustainable to run a, a flower business and more places where it kind of isn't. I mean, that's a pretty great example. Um, I guess, I guess you can only do the best you can do when it comes to starting out and thinking about your impact of what you want to do and the business you want to create and how that will all kind of like fit together, like, you know, into a, a, a plan that works for everyone, I guess. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about, when you kind of started out, was there any kind of major mistakes you did? Was there any kind of like one thing that you were like, oh my God, that I wish, I can't believe I did that. That's hilarious. Uh, yes, absolutely. And I think, I, I, I wouldn't say any hilarious moments, but for instance, there's definitely been in my, the very beginning of my journey. So for instance, let's just say you learn a t- new technique, you learn something new. Mm-hmm. There were definitely things that I learned, but then I didn't put them into practice. So, when I came back to them years later, I thought, oh, how do you do that again? You know, like it didn't, I wish that every single technique that I had learned, I had really put into practice at the time of learning it, you know, doing it again and Mm. again and again and again so that I understood. So, then Mm. it becomes easier to understand. Yeah, that's so valid. I mean, there are so many things I think back to when I did my like formal training when I was 16, my, my level two, that I did once and I will never do again. You know, it was simply because the course was a little outdated and maybe wasn't kind of relevant to the industry then. Certainly probably isn't very relevant now. Um... But at the same time, like, there is a lot of stuff on that course that, you know, I could have put into practice and did put into practice that served me pretty well. And you can't rush the basics. You just can't. No, you can't rush the basics. And it's important to understand that there has to be a level of respect for the basics. You need them. Mm. You need those mm. basics. You you know, you can... I always... Okay, so that when you look at principles and elements, for instance, you know, obviously the elements are in every single design we do, no matter how complex or simple right? Then Mm -hmm, we look at the mm -hmm. principles. Now, not every single principle is going to apply to every single design that we create. So, I always Mm -hmm. look at the fact that the elements are like the recipe to a basic sponge cake, whereas the principles can turn a basic sponge cake into a cream-filled lamington. Oh, my God. It's still a sponge cake, but it's become a lamington. Is that from the um, bakery in Adelaide? Oh, yeah. Con- yeah. What's it called? Connolly's? Oh, Connolly. oh, 24 Connolly's. hours a day. Oh, good grief. My life. I've been there with you. My life is I've been an there with you. person. Good grief. <laughs> I think that if I was to think of like something that I did back in the day that I would like to do differently, you know, now in the future, what would that be? Um, I was, I was way too arrogant when I started out. Do you know what I mean? I remember doing a, a just brashly overconfident. And I remember doing like a carnation, um, like asymmetric arrangement. And I was like, hi, the Messiah's here. Yeah. <laughs> 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I would do things that I look back on now in horror. Yeah, I get but it. But I would do them at the time and be like, oh, um, she's arrived yeah. and um, You will never find yeah, a better A-line bowl than what I have just created. No, like I would take four pieces of leather leaf and green up my posy bowl and I would be like, is the medal on its way? Yeah, it's on its way, girl. I totally get it's that. It's on its way. I totally get that. Yeah. It's difficult and it's like- it comes with, and the thing is, it's like I have definitely over the years been, you know, confused. People have confused my confidence with my skills as arrogance. And it's like, no, I'm not arrogant. Ooh. I'm just confident with my skills. Yeah, been there. Totally been there. I was pulled aside when I was like 19, 20 by like a couple of my teachers being like, your attitude is kind of like, you know, insane. You could do with kind of winding, you know, winding your neck in a little bit. Wind your neck in. Wind your neck in, bit. girl. Wind your neck in, girl. And I remember being like, you're totally right. That makes a lot of sense, but what you don't realize is that I am the Beyonce of this industry. Yeah. So, whereas at the time you were actually awkward. the Nickelback of the industry, I was I was Nickelback's backup singer. Yeah, truly. Yeah, I get it. I yeah. get it. It's an easy <laughs> trap to fall in, and I think yeah. that all of us have been there. And I see students even nowadays that mm-hmm. have you know, already have a confidence before they've even gotten started. And I'm just like, hang on a minute, girl. Mm. Like, you still got work to do. Yeah, exactly. And a part of parcel with that is like growing as a designer. You know, you know what I mean? Like, there's, I think we've all been that student when we start out who believes. Oh, you believe. She believes, love. She believes. She believes. She believes. We've all been there believing that, you know, we are the best and amazing and incredible. And it just takes time. It just like it takes time. The more you learn, the more you kind of realize how much more there is to learn, you know? Yes. So if I was to ask you like a couple of great little tips that you would advise a newbie just starting out in the industry to do, what would they be? Oh, I would definitely say choose where and how you want to learn because I think, no, actually more the how than the where because all, mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. people, everyone learns differently, right? So, I am a big believer myself without discouraging anyone that learns online. I think that floristry is often best taught in person when you are able to have a teacher, a tutor there with you who can be with you on the journey. I understand that's not possible for everyone. And that's what I mean when I say it's really important to learn how you best learn. So if you best, Mm. if you're really anxious and you can't be in a classroom environment, as an example, you're going to learn best in your own environment, doing your own thing. So I think that Mm -hmm. that's the key to success for me. It's like work out exactly how you learn so that you can then go to where you learn. Oh, for sure. I mean, in-person learning, there is nothing like it. As you know, we do an awful lot online with online courses and eBooks and our membership. But I mean, there is nothing really that can replace hands-on knowledge in person, you know, smelling my cologne, you know, touching the flowers I've touched, being in the presence of greatness. Um, There's nothing truly like it as like a spiritual floral epiphany. If you haven't smelt Joe Malone, you haven't been in the presence of Joe Massey. 
If it's not Pomegranate Noir, is she even in the building? She's not. She's not there. She's never. She's never been there. I'd love to be sponsored by Joe Manon, you know. <gasps> Can you imagine? How'd you oh pay? my god. I wouldn't even take. No, my candles are be better. Like Semi fragrance. My candles are better. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know. You haven't sent me one. <gasps> Have I really not sent you one? <laughs> Oh, I feel I awful think, yeah. now. I don't think you I feel behave. Dreadful. I don't think you've done... When I was last in Australia, I don't think you no, were I doing don't. candles. No, I was. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> 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 oh, okay. Oh, well, just between well, um, sisters, you know, it's all right. Just between sisters. I, t- I tend to send you better gifts anyway. You know, people's faces on cake yeah, and all that sort of stuff. That is true. Gosh, if only I could share that on social media. Yeah. Could you no, we can't. So, girl, tell me who at the moment is on your radar. Who is on your saved list? What have you saved recently that you can share with the group? Mm. Well, that was a, well, that was a good grunt. In- Thank you. I'm always good for a good grunt. You, you would look at me and think she doesn't grunt, but I mean, when you're around me, she, you'll, she does. Yeah. She, she's never not. She's never Spill not. Spill the grunting. beans. Who is it? Um, so one of my favorites, which I save a lot of their work on, on Instagram, um, huge inspiration of mine is Azuma Makato. Oh, Do you follow yeah. this person? Beautiful. <gasps> his work is stunning. The work, I tell you what. So when I, and I'm looking at his feed now, I mean, good grief. Some of that work that's in snow i would hang on a wall in my home like it's absolutely exquisite it's the type of work right what i think about his work is i think it's the type of work that is wildly inspirational and i am such a fan of it and i often look at it and think oh i i could never yeah I, I don't have the energy. Absolutely agree. I don't have the passion. Like, I think I'm very passionate about what I do, but some of his stuff I look at and think, oh, Jesus, it's yeah. just another level. And I'm very happy to hold my hands up and say that, like, when I see a lot of his work, I think he just pushes it to a new level. And if I would have seen this when I was, like, 14, 15, 16, just starting out in the industry, it would have blown my mind. It still blows it my still mind It still blows today. my mind, too. And I look at, and knowing as well how... I mean, in Japan, floristry, you know, the the way that they look at the art form of floristry, it's almost like a religion love. You know, like, I have seen florists almost in tears over the placement of a strelitzia. And it's like, oh my gosh. we're not, we're not, I don't think, I, I'm never in tears over the placement of a strelitzia. I think it's just, I, <laughs> I think that it's so. I think we've just found our intro. I think it's, it's so beautiful, but it's like. I look at that piece that's a few tiles down in the snow and it is mm. absolutely mm. sublime. And I look at the last image on that block of the finished piece with, you know, without him in the background. And I'm like, I need that in like a two by two meter print on a wall in my mm. home because it's exceptional. But you know that that has taken days and I mean days, days to create. Yeah. I mean, fighting off polar bears, feasting only on penguins as you make it. I mean, that is like a serious labor of love. And I think that's what I really love about his work is you never see him kind of like half-arse anything. Everything is like so, you know, meticulous and so beautifully done um, and just so, so, so beautifully executed. And the other thing I like as well about his work is he's not just in one discipline. It's not just photography. It's not just installations. It's sculpture. It's painting. It's 
it's a bit of everything. And I think that is so inspiring. If I was a young florist who was kind of like, um, looking at your, you know, looking at this Instagram, I would be like, oh my God, this is what floral design can be. Like it would, oh my God, it would have just given me rocket fuel. Yeah, I agree, girl. I think that the, the level of, this speaks volumes to me about people questioning how much time, effort, love and passion goes into our craft because this Instagram feed alone answers all those questions. Mm, I agree. Couldn't love it more. Couldn't love it more. All right, love. Go back to your humid winter. I'm off. Thank you so much for joining us today, guys, for this episode of Flowers After Hours. We have had an absolute hoot doing it, and I hope it's been doing it for you. It's been a hooty toot. Make sure you click subscribe down below and that you leave us a rating and review. That would mean the absolute world to us, and you do not want to miss an episode of Flowers After Hours. Help us on our way to becoming the next Floral Kardashians, and we'll see you on the next one. Yay! 